Father, indeed, we rejoice in the power of the cross. Rejoice that Jesus suffered the cross for us, Lord. We, we will praise you throughout eternity for this wonderful sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, Lord, as we continue our time of worship in the study of your word, we pray that you would give us hearts that are open to receive what your spirit would say to us. Your word is truth. Let us understand that. Let us really bring that uh, to the forefront of our minds as we look at this 10th chapter of Revelation. So be with us, Lord. Teach us by your spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we find ourselves this morning going through the book of Revelation in chapter 10. There's a pattern that is developing as we move through the book of Revelation, and that is a series of six judgments. Then there will be a pause or an intermission type thing, and then the final judgment of that series. There were originally uh, seven seals. Six were broken before the seventh. There was a pause before that seventh. Six trumpets are blown and sounded, and then there's another pause before the seventh. Chapter 10 records the pause before that seventh trumpet is sounded. Why is there a pause? Why is there an interlude? Um, I think it's because our Lord desires for man to consider the things that have happened to him and to think about the events, the judgments that God is pouring out upon this world. And I think it's a time for man to repent before that final judgment. And we see this pattern in God's dealings and judgment, not only during the revelation, or not only, I should say, not only during the tribulation, but throughout history. God in His mercy desires men, you and I, to consider the error of our ways and turn from them or repent. God's love towards us, many times it can appear like it's a series of speed bumps. You know, strained relationships with uh, friends or loved ones that don't believe. Uh, it can be a run of bad health where we struggle simply to survive. It can be financial difficulties that come upon us, it seems like, wave after wave. You know, our automobile breaks down, our air conditioner goes out, we get laid off from work. <clears throat> and it just seems like they pile up upon us. Several years ago, a friend of mine uh, who had a habit of living kind of, what do they say, hand to mouth, he let his automobile insurance lapse for one week. And he was going to go and renew his insurance that coming Friday, but his son wrecked the family car in the meantime. And here he was, no insurance. 
And it appears at times everything seems to be stacked against us. And we may not necessarily blame God if we're mature in Christ, but I don't think we're immune to asking, why God, what's going on? And chapter 10 deals with difficult times that come our way. Why the sweet and the good tasting things in our life, why they turn bitter. So let's read chapter 10 of Revelation. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set it, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, the sea and the things that are in it, and there should be no delay any longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth, so I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Verses 1 through 3. Is this an angel or is this Jesus? First, it is an enormous being with great authority. This angel is much like Jesus described in chapter 1 of Revelation by John, coming down from heaven clothed in a cloud. The, the, the Gospels declare to us that Jesus is coming on the clouds with power and great glory. There's also a rainbow on his head as described in Revelation chapter 4 verse 3. A rainbow being the sign of God's promise to man. This angel's face is like the sun shining in its strength. Again, like chapter 1 of Revelation, describing Jesus. In verse 3, this angel cries out with a voice like a lion when it roars. This could be a reference to Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's many clear references here to this angel being Christ himself. 
Now, let me present the case that this is not Christ, but perhaps a powerful angel. John sees in verse 1 another angel, similar or like the angels who sounded the trumpets. This angel is perhaps Michael, the archangel, whose name means who is like God. Personal opinion? I think it's Michael, the archangel. But you decide for yourself. You can't be dogmatic about who this is. Perhaps Jesus, perhaps Michael. But then John hears seven thunders, and they're for John's ears only. I don't even know why it's mentioned. It's private revelation to John. And John's told then, do not write what the thunders uttered. Don't write it, John. This is for you only. And we go all the way through the rest of the book of Revelation, and that is not revealed to us what these thunders said. We're not privy to what John has heard. But you know, God in his great revelation to all of humanity through this book of Revelation, he still privately reveals to John special things for John's ears only. I find that a little fascinating. God in his dealings <clears throat> with the nation of Israel also dealt with the prophets and the kings like Elijah and David one-on-one. -on -one. God deals with his people as a whole, and God deals with us as a personal God, as individuals. And he works in each and every one of our lives, one-on-one. -on -one. Today, we study this 10th chapter of Revelation, and it's for all of us. It's for all of God's people. But there's also, without a doubt, a special message in this chapter for each one of us separately. Always look for God's Word to speak to you personally. This angel who stands in authority over the land and over the sea, he swears by him who lives forever and ever. That's another reason I think that it's Michael, the archangel, for he swears by the living God of heaven. This angel declares, and here's the point, there should be no longer any delay. No more delay in the history of man and God dealing with man. It's all coming to an end. It's all being wrapped up. And it's right here that in chapter 10 that it begins. No more delays. Now, we've all heard, and I've heard it as well as you have, our God is a God of second chances. I like that. It ministers to me. And I agree with that. But eventually, God's patience run out. They expire, and He will close down the history of mankind. And that begins here in chapter 10, the beginning of the end. 
You remember when we studied about the souls that are under the altar who have given their lives as a witness for Christ? They have cried out to God, How long, Lord, before you avenge our lives? How long before you set things right? Now we have, in verse 7, the mystery of God's plan, the mystery of God's will, and it's about to be done or finished. Now when we speak of mystery, a biblical mystery is not necessarily a truth or a fact that no one knows about, but a biblical mystery is something that we would never know about unless revealed to us by God. Biblical mysteries are for God's people. They're spiritually discerned. They're not necessarily the unknown. Paul speaks of one mystery in Colossians chapter 1, that God by His Spirit abides or dwells in us. If you don't think that's a mystery, try to explain that to an unbelieving friend, that God lives in you. But staying in context here, the mystery spoken of in verse 7, God will reveal to John and to us how he will bring about the completion, the finality of man's time here on earth. Excuse me a moment. Another mystery for us to ponder, to think about, it's been a mystery sort of throughout the ages, why does God allow Satan and man, for that matter, to rebel and go our own way contrary to him? Why is mankind given a free will when we're so prone to abuse it? That is a mystery. Another mystery, why is evil allowed to exist? Yeah, I've heard all the pat answers that you have heard, but it still remains a mystery that God would allow evil to exist. In verses 8 through 11, we have John receiving revelation, but he receives it in a way that John is not familiar with. God will now reveal to John and to us a mystery or a great truth. First off, this is a big angel and he's got a lot of authority. He's got one foot on the land showing that he is supreme over the land and he's got another foot on the sea showing that he is supreme of the sea. John approaches this very large angel, and he says, Give me the little book. Now, I know John had to say, Please. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not going to approach that angel and give him any demands. It's going to be, Yes, ma'am, and thank you, ma'am. You know what I'm saying. The angel tells John, Okay, here it is. Eat it. Eat it. (laughs) Eat the little book, John. 
And I think this little book or this scroll contains what we would call the remainder of the prophecy of the book of Revelation, and John is to write it down. This is not one that he seals up, but he is to write it down. This is not necessarily that new to Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 15, Jeremiah writes, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. David, in Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Jesus made reference to the God's Word, and he called the Word of God bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you and I, here, today, we have the privilege to feast, to feed upon God's Word, literally. And the thought here is, we are to feed upon God's Word, and it will become part of our life. John is a prophet. He's an apostle. He's a believer. And John receives information from this little book, and John's responsibility is to share that information. He has that responsibility. And the revelation from God is sweet as honey when John receives it. But when the sharing comes, when it's time to share what God has revealed to John, it becomes bitter. Let me try to explain how that perhaps affects me. My desire as your pastor is to be faithful to share what God reveals to me in His Word. And many times that revelation involves exhortation, correction, even chastening. But my responsibility is to be faithful to declare God's Word, not take a political poll, how it affects you people. I'm to be a faithful pastor. And God's Word often requires us, you and I, to adjust, to respond, to repent of our behavior, to change our ways, conform our ways, be transformed, as Jesus said, to be like Him. Unfortunately, there are many teachers and pastors who refuse to proclaim the full counsel of God's Word. I wish that weren't the case. Last Wednesday evening in our men's study here at church, we centered upon the words of Jesus in Mark 8.34. Mark 8.34 talks about, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's a bitter message to this flesh of ours. We don't want to hear that if we're strong-willed, stubborn, or rebellious. 
What we like to hear is dominion theology. I like that. I can take control and power over everything. I can rebuke demons. I can, you know, I can do all these great... That's what we want to hear. We want to hear health and wealth, too. Us Christians are never supposed to be sick. Sad fact of the matter, we're often sick. What Jesus taught the multitudes in his day when he walked upon this earth was not always a pleasant message. Jesus spoke more of hell than he did heaven. That's a bitter pill to swallow. But they're words of life. Jesus doesn't want us to go to hell. Our, our Lord wants us to be aware of the dangers of hell, even if necessary, be afraid of hell. Back to John. John eats this little book, and now he will set about to declare the disaster that's going to come upon unrepentant mankind. In verse 11, The angel tells John, would you please declare my word? No, not for a moment. John, you must, a declarative statement, you must prophesy again. And you've got to prophesy for many peoples, for many nations, tongues, and kings. That covers all the bases, by the way. God is saying, you must prophesy to everyone. That's the angel's instructions to John. Now, what do we pull from that? What do we gain from that? Understand this. The emphasis is not upon the messenger. It's upon the message. We, just like the apostle, the prophet John, have the duty, the responsibility to declare God's Word, to declare God's Word to a nation, to a people all around us that are unrepentant, that are headed to hell. That's a reality. Being a good witness of God's Word, God's plan for mankind, is not a Christian's option. We don't have that option. It's a must. Ask John, who was given the little book to eat. John, given the greatest revelation of the greatest apocalypse ever. And what if John would have said, well, I don't know, that might be a little hard on the ears of my listeners, Lord. No, we have the book of Revelation because John was faithful to be that witness of what God showed him. We have God's word. We must be faithful with it. John was faithful. We must be faithful. I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip, but there are people 
that come in and through your lives that only you touch. We must be about God's kingdom. It's a must in our lives or there's regrets. I, for one, want to be faithful to God's word. I want to be that faithful witness. Our scripture reading this morning, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To what? To be a witness. I've heard it summed up that that verse, Acts 1.8, is the theme of the whole New Testament for us believers. We will receive the Holy Spirit to be a witness unto God. It's our must in life. Again, be bold in your witness. Be pleasing to your Lord. Be a good messenger of the Word of God. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, one, let us understand that you orchestrate, you control every detail of our lives. You put people in our lives, you bring people across our path that need to hear the truth. Let us be bold in the truth, Lord, not necessarily offensive, but let us be bold. Let us declare your word for what it is. Mankind is searching for truth, Lord. We have the blessing of truth in you. Let us be sharing you, Jesus. So give us boldness by your Spirit. In Acts 1-8, you promised that we would receive power to be a witness. We need your Holy Spirit to have that power, Lord. So fill us with your Spirit and let us be that good witness. Let us be like our brother, the Apostle John, who was faithful. We ask for this, Lord. We pray for this in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I bless you, and I will bless you, <laughs> if I don't forget. I forget everything anymore. But anyway, uh, lots of food. Hang around. Have a good time of fellowship in our potluck. Uh, and if you didn't bring food, don't worry about it. Double up next time. No, it's, a, it's, it's okay. We have plenty of food. All right, that blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.